Hello and welcome to this special episode of the ED podcast hosted in partnership with Lloyds Bank. I'm Edie's senior reporter Sarah George and as you can probably tell from the probably lower quality of this audio recording, I'm not in our ED podcast studio in West Sussex recording this. I'm actually at a hotel in Rotterdam and we'll get into why a little bit later. Um, I'd fully intended to record this at St Pancras International Station before catching the Eurostar to come here to reminisce on being at St Pancras um, as we prepared to head to Glasgow for COP26, um, us being myself and Matt and Luke from the ED team. But um, alas, the universe had other plans for me. The Eurostar lounge was absolutely rammed and then when I did get on the train, the train was rammed too and there was a baby in front of me screaming um, and the kid's little brother or sister kicking the back of my seat from behind. So it's just me um, coming to you from my little hotel room in, in Rotterdam. I haven't gone completely nuts as to be doing an ED podcast on my holidays. I'm here as part of a press trip with Innocent Drinks to visit their factory, The Blender, which recently had its official opening. This is, of course, the Sustainability Uncovered podcast, so I'm not here purely out of my own love for smoothies, although that was a big factor. Um, I'm here to see what it takes to create and operate a carbon-neutral, all-electric drinks manufacturing facility. I'm told that the blender has achieved BRIAM outstanding certification, the highest possible certification within BRIAM. It has an array of built-in features to ensure that heat and water are efficiently used and features repurposed materials in its ultra energy efficient body design. Innocent Drinks is also aiming to have the factory certified under the WELL certification scheme, which touches on the environmental performance of buildings, yes, but also on how this intersects with the health and well-being of those living there, working there and in the local area. No factories are currently certified by WELL, so if that certification does come through, it will be a major milestone for sustainability and well-being in the manufacturing sector, one would hope. I've been inside some well-certified offices. They have things like passive heating, passive cooling and natural lighting. So you feel like you're not stuck inside away from nature working. So it'll be interesting to see how well principles translate to a bigger building like a factory. So that's a potted introduction to the blender. And my aim with this special edition of the ED podcast is to give you a behind the scenes look at this location, which could serve as a great case study for the future of sustainable manufacturing. I'm currently, as I say, in my hotel room. It is Monday afternoon as I'm recording this and the next part of the podcast that you hear will be recorded on Tuesday morning when myself and a handful of other media representatives will be given a tour of the blender by Sam Wallet, who is the site director for the factory. You'll hear snippets of Sam's tour and there may be some sound bites from other members of the Innocent Drinks team too. For me, though, it's time for rest. I'll see you over at the blender. Hi, my name is Marike Been. I'm people lead for the blender um, and I'm going to uh, give you a tour around the blender today. And this is our warehouse, but we will first start at the front of, uh, of the factory. So we will walk all our way uh, up to there. Uh, 6,600 solar panels on this side and also on uh, uh, the 
other sides of, uh, of the factory. And they will generate 8% uh, percent energy uh, uh, for us. Of course, a little bit more <laughs> better days, uh, uh, which means that they roughly will uh, produce about 2.6 gigawatts. Uh, um, and the rest will be done by uh, wind turbines. And I think you already heard uh, about it, but we will place two wind turbines on our side. Uh, one in the south uh, west side and one in the north. Uh, um, and they will uh, generate over more than 100% of our energy. So that means if it's windy days, and they are here, I can tell you already. Um, yeah, you can see uh, a couple of wind turbines. Uh, um, then we will uh, get more uh, than 100% of our energy uh, uh, um, yeah, produced by, uh, by green energy. And uh, um, what you will see is that we produce even more. So we are able to give a little bit back uh, uh, to our net. I think it's also very unique that we are one of our first uh, uh, yeah, fully electrical uh, uh, manufacturers, especially in the drinks uh, uh, industry. Uh, we are currently in the, because you think, where are the wind turbines? We are currently in the uh, permitting uh, process for wind turbines. You see there a couple of big silos. And in these silos, five of them are actually silos where we save all our bulk juices. Um, and it fits or just talked about the electrical uh, trucks and they, these are them actually so uh, we are also quite proud of it so we also promote it because we are one of the first to do it so we want to inspire basically also on the road other companies and encourage them to do the same um, they come from Koutrale uh, uh, to here which is a 42 minute uh, uh, ride um, and you see here the charging station so actually what we are doing is that the orange juice is coming in load them into our systems and in the meantime we charge the uh, vehicles so that they are ready to go back and forth again we don't need to charge them every time but once in the two three times we yeah and they roughly around um uh, fit around uh, 35,000 liters of, uh, of orange juice how many do you have we have uh, uh, uh four of them yeah yeah, so what you see, our grape and apple is not coming from Koutrale, so we, um, and the, the range is too big, but for uh, Koutrale, uh, yeah, we have four of them. This is our blending area, so here we basically blend our juices and smoothies, uh, um, and then we test them in order to send them to the other side. So we call this the processing area, because we really here process the ingredients. Uh, and once they are ready and we have tested them and they are good to go, we send them to our filling and packaging uh, uh, site. They first will uh, go through a pasteurization process and then they are ready to fill and to, uh, to pack and send to our warehouses. And am I right in thinking, so this is all the bulk ingredients and then this machine over there added like the vitamins and yeah. little bits? This is not only our bulk ingredients, it's also like you saw the other ingredients like the mango so and the strawberry, well. it's all in there as well. So we really here uh, um, basically okay. blend, blend it yeah. to our smoothies and our uh, um, orange. And then that little machine can add vitamins or any of this. Yeah, and then thing. you see there uh, a small machine we can walk towards. Yeah. 
Um, and here are, um, is a little machine and that helps us to uh, put all the vitamins in the process as well. So we have a kitchen area, there we basically weigh everything and we get it sorted for the right batches. And then we put it here in the process. So basically the, the main bulk is coming from the silos into this process. But also, and we will touch up that later, but there's our ingredients. So for example, the mango and the strawberry that is entering the process. And that will come all together so in the blending side. It's coming through these pipes, yeah, uh, um, as well. And then it's coming into the blending, uh, the blending area where we prepare it and make sure that it's ready for, uh, for the filling and packaging lines. And one thing that also really makes our uh, factory unique is the way uh, we clean the pipes. So we basically do that a lot by air. So we also call it our little air tornadoes. Um, and they are there. So what we are going to do is on the other side entering the CIP. And that basically means cleaning in, uh, um, in process. Um, and there we clean or we trigger our cleaning system. And what you see here are our compressors and on the other side and i will show it later there you can see the heat pump so i think we talked already quite a lot about the heat pumps but basically it helps us to really get off the gas grid uh, and use the uh, reuse the the heat that is coming from our cooling systems uh, uh, for the rest of uh, of the process it's something to be really proud of and i can uh, show it later but then you know that it's in this area of, uh, of the factory <laughs> Now, so you can feel it's uh, much cooler here. So this is our ambient area and there is our frozen automated uh, uh, warehouse. Um, here all our ingredients in drums are coming in. Uh, you can also see them because we store them here in, uh, in the warehouse and depending on the products, we store them in the frozen uh, um, area or in the ambient uh, um, area. You also see the LGVs. So basically they are helping us to get uh, the products from the lines into the, the warehouse and then eventually to put them back here so that we can uh, start the process of uh, uh, drum tipping the, the products into our system. Um, yeah, and they are fully automated and electric, so... Yeah, they take themselves home, yeah. So they charge themselves uh, um, at the moment, so... Uh, and you will see them more, so we have a couple of them here but we also have a couple of them at the end of the lines uh, uh, to help transport from the packaging lines into the other warehouse. Um. So what you will see here is we have a, a container of preforms and we have a container with um, uh, caps uh, um, and they go all the way up through the process. Um, we have our preforms and that basically means is that we blow our preforms into the bottles and that happens on this side so you also see there the heat and basically what uh, we are doing is we are heating the preforms and then blowing it into the right shape which is also really beneficial because that means that we don't need to uh, transport shipping the whole bottle but we can do the preforms which basically means that we can ship more at the same time and therefore also reduce some of our emission in that area. Our lines are from Chrome's, uh, um, yeah, and next to sustainability, we also really look at the quality um, and the reliability of our uh, equipment. Uh, um, and we have basically now four lines of Chrome's that are helping us with the filling and the packaging of the area. 
So yes, we've now had some time to take off our PPE and have some smoothies and some juices, of course. Um, and I'm, be, I'm delighted to be sat down with some of the other Innocent team members to find out even more about the blender and how it ties in with Innocent's broader sustainability strategy. So for the benefit of the people listening at home, would you mind both introducing yourself, Sam, first? Yeah, hi, I'm Sam Akinley. I'm the Managing Director for the UK and Ireland uh, Innocent. And I'm Emily Stevenson. I head up Force for Good in the UK which sounds like we've come out of Star Wars, but it's our way of describing ESG, CSR, um, PACS, sometimes it's called, so I cover public affairs, comms, and today, sustainability. Great, so we're obviously here at the Blender. We've just been around the Blender. I know, Emily, you've been at Innocent a number of years. So what did manufacturing for Innocent look like before Blender, pre-Blender? Pre-Blender, we had a number of co-packers in a number of different locations, um, primarily in the UK, but not exclusively. And so having the Blender enables us to really consolidate our supply chain, which means reducing food miles and um, creating more simplicity in our supply chain as well. Got it. And we saw some pictures of what this site looked like at the beginning of 2020. Um, I'm going to ask, did the pandemic present any challenges to making the blender? But I'm presuming that it, it did, given the timing of the, the project. Yes, the pictures that you saw didn't have much. They must have been, they were just um, just land, really. So pandemic, of course, challenges, as we all know, whether you're, whether you, re- you redid your house or whether you were trying to get, you know, getting materials was more complicated. It meant a little bit of delay, but in the grand scheme of things, toying around again today really reminds me how much was achieved in a relatively short period of time. Got it. And you've talked a little bit about how having this factory helps to consolidate the supply chain. We focused on the sustainability bit, how this takes miles off the off the road, how you can implement green energy and water saving um, features. But it, does it translate into, into cost savings, having it all consolidated? Do you want to answer yeah, that, Sam? I, I, I really hope so. Um, it should now, 70% of our portfolio, hopefully eventually will be coming through the blender, but we still have 30% that is still with our partners and our manufacturing partners. So the consolidation, I think it, it's great to potentially have some cost saving and in an inflationary environment, that's important, but it's not all about the cost saving either because we obviously we've still got the partners as well. So cost saving plus sustainability, it feels like it's a nice, formula for both but we do hope we'll get efficiencies um, from that and as as Emily said we're 23 years old and we only just built our first factory so mm. we've got a lot to learn before we probably get to the point where we're really making it 100% work for us but we've made amazing progress in such a short period of time. Mm. It's, a, it's an investment at the end of the day yeah. so it's a, a big fixed cost which should in the long term back. Yeah got it and it was a bit too loud near the bottom <laughs> to talk about this but you say 70% am I right in thinking that that's because this factory does plastic bottles but the other 30% is in mainly different kinds of packing yes yeah so you've got things like our um, bubbles for example that will be in in cans um, and you've also got our kids range as well which we have no immediate plans to come through the blender as well got it and Obviously, we've been around. I've sort of framed this as, you know, a pioneering fact- factory in a number of ways with, you know, the heat pump systems that had to be bespoke, um, with cleaning systems that use less less water. And I wanted to know whether it would be possible to build a factory like this 
somewhere else really so is it a Rotterdam thing is it an EU thing could I know you're going to share the learnings of this factory so what will that look like and realistically could we have blenders outside of the, the EU operate by yeah, other companies I think the, the technologies exist for anyone anywhere to use and we're about to produce a white paper um, to be able to share those learnings but it's in Rotterdam for us because that makes sense again from a sustainability point of view as it's the biggest port in Europe and it's where all of our fruit comes from but there's no reason why you can't have blenders in other places and we very much hope so just to add to that, I think some, as we were walking around, we were, we were talking about the fact that a lot of the innovation is around sustainability, not necessarily just actual blending as well. So how we clean, how we heat. And these are things in the white paper that you don't just have to be making juices and smoothies. You could be making anything. Um, so we're encouraging others to hopefully well, innovate more or, or you know, just work with, with them, still with pride, yeah. Yeah, so uh, uh, when you say white paper, does that mean something that anyone could look at? Yeah. Got it. And are there plans for like more directed sharing? So I know that obviously Innocent has links to Coca-Cola or there's a lot of other manufacturing sites here in, in Rotterdam. So is there an opportunity for more targeted sharing within sector or within locality? Yeah, absolutely. Both think locality, it makes sense. We're really close. And within sector, it makes sense as well because there's partners all over Europe who'd be interested and for whom it's easy to come and visit. Locality-wise as well, there's other companies here putting up their own solar and wind, isn't there? So Yeah, you can see them from here. <laughs> there's lots of wind, pan wind panels, wind turbines, and obviously we've learned today that we had 630 solar panels here on our land. Got it. And again, something that I'd like to have covered more in the tour, but it was a bit too, too windy outside. Um, it would be great to just recap how having this blender essentially reduces miles both upstream and downstream i feel like i might have had the wind blowing <laughs> in my podcast recorder too much to get into that earlier so because all the fruit arrives at the port of rotterdam anyway it reduces food miles because you don't need to transport the fruit from the port to wherever you're blending it putting it in a bottle so that's one way um, and then because we're consolidating everything here, it does mean that then when it goes out, everything goes out together. There's no different warehouses along the way. Mm. I think you mentioned as well that France is a major market, isn't it? So having it so close to France and Germany. France. Yeah. Got it. Um, and then we've also touched on this a bit, sort of factory aside. Whenever we talk to a company that does FMCG and people ask about the factory, they also ask about the rest of the value chain, which is where a lot of this lies and we've just actually tasted some new smoothies looking at new innovations and innovations in terms of tastes but also in procuring the right mix of fruit and veg for sustainability and for um, nutrition so it'd be great to hear how else Innocent is promoting a sustainable supply chain. Um, well, for us, a lot of our carbon footprint actually comes from the farms. So a lot of it is working with our farmers. And one initiative I can talk about is called the Farmer Innovation Fund, where we're giving selected farmers a part of money <coughs> sorry, for them to come out with the best initiatives to fight climate change on their farms. So that can be anything from um, the, type of, the type of products they use to how much water is being used. We've given it to them... For for them to tell us how best they can do it. And a lot of it is going to be revealed in the next few months as the outcomes of the first innovation fund come through. 
So I'm sort of jumping ahead of my summer. <laughs> Watch this space. Here. And is there also an opportunity to use different ingredients? I think we talked about apples that can be lower sugar and um, maybe more climate resilient crops and crops that grow in different seasons and climates. I love the, the apple story. So you realise that if you pick an apple um, earlier in the season, so when it hasn't fully ripened, it's actually got less sugar, it's slightly less sweet, which makes total sense. And actually in an, in an attempt to reduce sugar in our drinks, which is all natural, our drinks contain only fruit and nothing else, no added sugar. But you realise that if you use a type of apple juice that we call lower bricks apple juice, it's quite technical, there's less sugar in that. So that's a really good example of naturally reducing sugar in our drinks. And then when it comes to climate resilience, again, working with suppliers, um, typically our mango producers in India, They've been affected by quite a lot of drought. How do you mm. work with them to make sure that the crops can be as resilient as possible? And that can be a podcast in itself. Yeah, it really could. Go to, Man- go to India next time and then we'll yeah. ask them. Right, I'll see you there tomorrow. No, I'm thinking about nutrition and about mangoes so much because I think we're due to have lunch, so we're all a little bit <laughs> hungry. So um, I'll close off this part. And thank you, Sam, and thank you, Emily, for your time to give everyone listening a, a bit of a more behind the scenes of the blender. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So I'll shortly be leaving the blender to head back home. So join me after the jingle as we round off this special episode of the ED podcast. So as promised, I am firmly back in the UK and what a trip that was. As someone who works this computer based job, I'm always fascinated to get out and about to places like factories and see what really goes on behind the scenes in the making of the products we all use every day. That tour was definitely a whistle-stop one, so I hope I've done justice to some of the many super interesting built-in green features at the blender. So to recap, these include recycled and repurposed building materials, a living wall, an extensive solar system with plans for wind turbines in the works, electric trucks that bring orange juice from port, gas-free heating systems, ultra-efficient cleaning networks and automated energy-efficient equipment. A little apology here from me. I'm sorry for not being able to record inside the cleaning systems room. It turns out that it was too loud with the airflow and that the team weren't joking when they said these machines are capable of producing mini tornadoes. But nonetheless, I hope you've enjoyed this special podcast episode and that it's given you a flavour of what the factory of the future could look like with environmental sustainability and the well-being of workers in mind. This episode will be publishing on Friday the 2nd of June 2023 and I will be back in the ED podcast studio for a full regular episode of Sustainability Uncovered the following Friday, so 9th of June. Until then, it's a final thank you to the Innocent Drinks team and a goodbye from me. Goodbye. (laughs)